I'm Tierney Smith and this is the Tree Podcast, conversations about communicating climate change. This time we're talking about how to engage with people of faith. From the Pope's encyclical to climate declarations from across the major faiths, 2015 saw a surge in action on climate change from faith groups. 8 out of 10 people identify themselves with the faith, and with faith values shaping the behaviour of billions of people across the world, they have become an important voice in the climate debate. Just trying to hit people facts and figures around climate change really works very poorly. Even people who are well-educated are not very well motivated by data. We also know that talking repeatedly about uh, the disasters of climate change using negative terms, uh, talking about impacts in distant parts of the world, have not served us that well. It's mobilised quite a few people, but it hasn't reached wider. We also know that there's a major political divide around climate change, and we therefore need to be finding ways for speaking across those political divides. What we do know motivates people is their shared values, their identity, and I'd like to say their, sh- their joy of belonging, the sense that you are part of something larger than yourself. Now, that doesn't have to be faith. That could be a national identity, a culture. It could be a sense of a family identity, a community, and so on. So clearly what brings us to fully recognizing the importance of, importance of faith groups is very, very large numbers of people but large numbers of people who share very deep personal convictions, share values, share identity, and have that shared joy of belonging. So absolutely primary place to look for building new constituencies of uh, belief and motivation around climate change. That's George Marshall, co-founder and director of projects at Climate Outreach, who have recently examined just this question of how to better communicate with faith groups when it comes to motivating them to take action on climate change. We'll hear more about their research in a little bit, but first, let's stick with this question of why faith groups are an important group to tap into for climate communicators. Alan Otero, Executive Director of the Climate Youth Network for Environmental Sustainability in Africa, says there's another major reason why faith groups could be a great ally. Many faith and religious communities do as, as things that are directly connected to the well-being of, of, of the human being where they are. So there are many responding to uh, you know, the basic needs. And, and this is very, very concrete in Africa where it is faith and religious communities that uh, are attending to many social needs of the people, providing uh, food, providing water, providing housing, healthcare, and so on. So if as somebody who is communicating uh, climate change issues or environmental issues in general, if you're able to make the connection, for example, between um, these basic necessities that faith communities and religious communities are responding to or are offering, then you have a good chance to, uh, to, to get your message across. Because, for example, you can be able to, to make the connection between um, food security or food insecurity and, and, and climate change, the impact of climate change on, on food, on water, uh, on health, and, and so on. A partnership with international interfaith group Green Faith, Climate Outreach's research aims to provide a practical guide to talking to the world's five major faiths, Buddhism, Christianity, Hinduism, Islam, and Judaism. As George explains, the research found some strong narratives that work well across all of these faiths. For example, the dominant language of uh, a lot of faith communications goes under the banner of creation care. But creation is, is special, but we need to care for creation, we need to protect and defend it. 
that as you can imagine is not language which works particularly well with the faiths such as uh, buddhism and hinduism which do not have the same um tradition and belief in a creator godhead so the language which we found that worked however was a language which talked about the natural world as a precious gift for we have a sacred responsibility to care for talking about climate change as a moral issue which appears in uh, all of the faith declarations not surprisingly this language works well we also explored and we promote the language of both responsibility to future generations which not surprisingly is a, often around in the language of climate change but also saying that we need to take action in order to preserve the legacy of previous generations the reason we need to do that is it's very important with climate change to place it into a time scale where it seemed to be already underway if we talk about climate change as being a threat for future generations and we talk in moral principles about how we need to care for the future or care for future generations this does indeed work very well as faith language but unfortunately it lends itself to a certain kind of psychological distancing balance is another powerful frame which tested very well for our language balance incidentally is also a, a frame which um, is important and very resonant for people of conservative values so when we talk about climate change as a disbalance as a disruption climate change is disrupting the natural balance of the world the seasons are coming at the wrong times climate change is a message that something is wrong and by taking action on climate change we can help to put the world straight and put it back in balance we're speaking to some strong resonant metaphors but also this idea that the seasons are coming at the wrong times is something that we know is very resonant across the across the groups all of the faith groups had language around sleep and wakefulness because the idea that uh people are just ignorant not that they're sinful or wrong but they're ignorant and but they need to wake up and become aware appears to be a, a, an effective way of speaking which works across the faiths. Nana Fairman is from the Green Mosque Initiative for the Islamic Society of North America. She has a wealth of experience in communicating with people of the Muslim faith and says that much of climate outreach's findings also resonate with the work that she's been doing. Like protecting the earth in Islam is about how we behave as human being in regards not only to our relationship with each other as humans, but also with other with other creation in this natural world. In fact, you know, in the in the in the Quran, uh, the verses uh, in Arabic is called ayat or ayah, which uh, also natural world, which is the sign of God, is also use uh, it's also using the same word Arabic word, which is ayat. Another strong message uh, that resonates to to the Muslim is the word mizan which literally means balance. And in this case is the natural balance. Uh, I think George already mentioned about this, that God asks us to walk gently upon this earth. And this is a very strong uh, verse in, in the Quran. And uh, I use this a lot when I communicate uh, about climate change to uh, my fellow Muslims, that the meaning of this, this verse that, you know, like we are not allowed to disrupting or corrupting the natural balance. And other is 
as it was mentioned, Muslim also believes that the earth is a precious gift and we are here just simply as a Khalifa, which translated as a steward or a caretaker or vicegerent, holding whatever on earth that entrusts, which is called amana. So like all these words that I use, like when I talk about climate change, to the Muslim uh, community, I use like all the words that is, you know, like familiar that is being mentioned in the Quran or in the Sunnah, which is the tradition of the Prophet. But while there are some strong narratives that work across faith groups, Climate Outreach's research also found some messages that were less successful. Here's George again to explain. Although the faiths contain some very strong principles concerning um, accepting responsibility, um, some of them concerning the language of, of, of uh, sin uh, and punishment for transgression. People are not very willing to accept climate change into that. I think we're still somewhere away for people to accept climate change, the full moral implications of climate change as something they personally contribute to. So then when we tried language on that, saying that we had been disobedient, uh, or that we would in some way but be punished, or that climate change might even be a form of punishment, all of this language failed. What was interesting, though, was that people were far more willing to accept language of personal responsibility, changing the way that they lived, um, accepting that they had been greedy, and uh, living more simply when it was presented in the form of a personal pledge. So one of our recommendations coming out of the research was to say that actually... The method of communication, how people communicate, may be as important, maybe even more important than the uh, the actual words which are used. I'm going to finish off by saying some of the things which we thought might not work so well or we need to be careful with. Justice is a word very much beloved of, um, obviously, the climate justice movement. Climate justice is also a strong rallying cry for... Um, Christian campaigning on climate change. I have to flag up that justice is uh, a, a word to be careful with. Justice was not a term that worked effectively in a religious context for Hindus. But also we know from our wider work with people with conservative values that justice is potentially a politically polarizing word. That people on the right tend to respond much more strongly to language around fairness and that justice is a word that they can sometimes associate with things being left-wing. I think we need to be very careful to find language which, which bridges political differences rather than reinforces them. Connectedness is a principle which works very strongly for Hindus and Buddhists, the sense of us all being interconnected and being connected with the natural world, probably much more so for them than for the other faith groups. Talk about climate change as a religious sign didn't work with any of the groups. And across the faiths, actually, people find it very hard to incorporate climate change into their, um, into their traditional and ancient learning. Um, it's hard. I mean, we need to recognise. I think everybody is struggling with this. Alan agrees that how we communicate climate change can be just as important as what we say. From his experience working across faiths in Africa, the messenger can often be as important as the message. And he says that understanding your audience will be key to success credibility of the message when speaking to faith communities is also very key. 
And um, one way of uh, making sure that as, uh, as someone who is going to a faith community to speak about uh, climate change is, is first of all to get the faith leaders on board. Um, a lot of faith communities would be hesitant to, to listen to someone who might be perceived as coming from outside of, of their own faith community. So it, it helps tremendously, for example, to identify uh, perhaps even professionals um, who might be within uh, or might be members of those faith communities to begin with and, and to start working from there. So working from the known to the unknown and working with people who already have gained the trust and you know, have the respect of those, of those faith communities that you're targeting to speak to. The other thing is that uh, learning about what the faith community that you, you intend to speak to is already doing um, is also very important. Um, what I've learned from my experience is that faith communities are usually very hesitant um, to, in a sense, to you know, advertise what they are doing. Uh, they will do many wonderful things uh, in a very humble way um, at, at, at the grassroots level. Um, but they will view this as part of their religious duty or faith, you know, something that they are called to do by their faith. And so they may not necessarily see the need to, um, you know, go, go around and, and, and showcasing what they are doing. And uh, so if, if you go to a faith community without having first understood what, what, what the faith community itself has been doing, um, then you might come across as uh, being overbearing or not having understood uh, that they as well are making efforts in their own uh, small ways. So that can be a way to an entry point, but also uh, beginning to build a foundation for uh, inspiring others to uh, replicate the good case studies that you might have come across. But while faith remains an important rally point, it is often just one of many communities that people identify with. And for us as communicators, understanding the ways these different identities intersect is important. I'm originally from Indonesia, so like we share identity also with people from tropical region uh, because we face the same issue in terms of climate change issues and also people from, you know, small islands because we are from archipelagic country. So we, we, we face with, you know, sea level rise. And so then you, you share, you know, like you share this the experience and also we are on this together. So this is like cross kind of like, groups and like communities that you know like we can be like on different faiths working together but also like we can work because we share identity coming from different region that we are or the similar region that we are facing the same issues so then you know we are like working together because of that my experience in the african context is there's, there's a greater sense of uh, of of community in in uh, in many african communities and certainly also within uh, religious communities or faith communities. A lot of the, the, the actions uh, that people speak about will be in the form of we, will be, will be very collective. Um, people will tend to address problems and challenges in society from a collective point of view and, and religious and faith communities will really be a rallying point uh, for whenever, for example, there is disaster or, uh, or celebration uh, in, in either sense. And this is perhaps informed as well by, uh, by African spiritual worldviews, um, which to a great extent influence even those people uh, who claim to be either Christian or Muslim, which are the two dominant religions on the continent. And um, these African spiritual worldviews also um, still very much influence how people view uh, nature, uh, their respect for nature, 
um, in my own uh, ethnic community, for example, which is from the west of Kenya, uh, called the Luya community, there was tremendous respect for, uh, for, for hills, for example, and for forests, for animals and rivers. And um, one of the remaining uh, rainforests, uh, part of the Congo rainforest in the western part of Kenya, is the Kakamega forest. And uh, its conservation up until this point um, can be attributed to some extent by the fact that uh, the, the, the views, the respect for nature as expressed by the Luya community, which is a traditional community, is, is, uh, is based on that. We have many intersecting identities in our lives. Um, one very strong sense of identity for many people is a political identity. Um, and there are lots of ways that climate change can be based around uh, people's sense of political values and political identity. And as I flagged up earlier, I think part of the problem of climate change is it's become far too politically polarized. There's a, an immense need to find new ways of talking about climate change which speak to different political values in different ways. Of course, there's always problems of dealing with shared identity. Sometimes political identity, um, political identity, national identity, and indeed faith identity can be things which are really aggressive and divisive. We need to be careful of all of these things. And with that, we're going to conclude this Tree podcast. A big thanks to our three speakers and to Joe Uline and the Uliners for letting us sample some of their music. To learn more about Climate Outreach's research around communicating with faith groups, please visit climateoutreach.org. And as always, for more information and resources on communicating on climate change, please visit treealerts.org and join our network.